Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me most places on the internet at jadeoxidrose, and I use they-them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience of the friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we are talking about book number 36, The Mutation, uh, which was ghostwritten by Erica Bobone? Bobone? Not sure. Um, it is their only credit uh, to ghostwriting in the Animorph series. Uh, you might learn why. Uh, <laughs> it's... Eh, we'll talk about it as we get into it. Um, it's definitely a filler episode. Absolutely a filler episode. Um, but not the good not, kind of filler episode. Yeah, definitely not the good kind of filler episode that advances characterization and so on and so forth. Uh, before we get into it, uh, some book-specific content warnings for you include biological experimentation on people, the threat of vivisection, taxidermy, non-consensual drugging, and the threat of drowning. Uh, so, take care of yourself. This one gets really fucking weird. Like, really weird. (laughs) This book is such a weird, I wouldn't <laughs> say hot mess. It's a mess. Yes. And one of the most deeply frustrating things about it is that there are aspects of this book that I really like. I mean, really like. Mm-hmm. And it pisses me off. <laughs> the, that like the it's like the webbing that holds the good chunks together is so bad mm. but there's a- like the action scenes in this one genuinely great like mm-hmm. outside of some characterization beats which we'll unpick um, as we go like the actual like action mm-hmm. i dig it i like it quite a lot i think mm-hmm. the original impetus is good I think Visa 3 is great in this book. <laughs> I don't always like Visa 3. Okay. It's just sometimes he is really, really good to read. Mm-hmm. Likes him a lot here. I tell you what, even, and for all my yelling, I think it was at the end, the close of the episode. Yeah, it was. It wasn't off mic. The, uh, Atlant- uh, Danielle was just like, yeah, this is the Atlantis book. And I was just <laughs> like, what? I'm sorry, fucking what? <laughs> It is, in fact, an Atlantis book. And what bugs me about that is actually there are aspects of how this take on Atlantis is really good and interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, as a way to do a take on Atlantis, yes, there's some hand wavy, that's very convenient, but no more so than Atlantis The Lost Empire, a movie (laughs) that I love. And it's like, there's some real interesting visuals in this one. There's some genuine moments of horror. And I think, sorry to the ghostwriter Erica, there are things that I feel are trying to be done with the characterization that are interesting and that are executed horribly. Mm. Like, this feels like somebody who really likes a character so writes some fanfic and clearly doesn't get the character or is just very bad at writing somebody they clearly like. Because mm. uh, this is a Jake uh, a Jake book. Mm-hmm. And this is a real interesting take on trying to portray how nuanced Jake is as a character. Unlike some of the other ghostwriters we've encountered who I feel really do not like Jake. Mm. I feel like this author is trying to make some commentary and dig into what it's like to be in Jake's head. Mm-hmm. It's just some of the stuff that he comes out with in this book. I swear, I'm like, <clears throat> what is this? I, d- I, mm, I don't get it. And there are moments like that for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Where it's just like it feels like very old characterization or very lazy characterization. Which is frustrating because there are moments that are actually fucking epic that pretty much everybody, no, yeah, everybody gets to have some awesome source in this mm-hmm. book. And it bugs me when there is at its bones some really good stuff here. Mm-hmm. And it feels so sloppy. And I'm mad about it. <laughs> I guess this the bothers me. experience. This bothers me more than when a book is boring or even when it's outright bad. Because mm. if it's outright bad, you can just go, it's shit, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Nah. I want to read the fanfic version of this where it's good, is <laughs> what I want. Because I think you could do a good story even with the Atlantis stuff, mm-hmm. to be clear. It would be dumb in the way that it is, but at least I think there is a way to execute this well. Mm-hmm. And this is not it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm mad about it. I think all the comments I made in the doc were me being mad about something <laughs> as I read it. So. Uh-huh. That probably tells you something about it. And this is not Helmicron's mad. This is not Shark Brain mad. This is a different flavor of mad. Mm-hmm. So. I just. I don't know what to feel. I feel like just somebody got given something really cool and fucked it. Mm. Like a shitty version of that James A. Caster on the British Bake Off celebrity special. Like, tell us <laughs> how this kind of just like started it and had a bit of a breakfast and <laughs> bon appetit, except <laughs> fucked at the end, except good at the end. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you're having a good time right now, Danielle, just enjoying me, <laughs> my baffled rage at this. Uh huh. Cool. Oh, it's wasted. It's wasted. <laughs> I, can, I recommend this book with good conscience. <laughs> yeah, there's some dope shit in it. Yeah, there's there's some genuinely like really horrifying stuff in this that uh, mm-hmm. has haunted me for the past twenty years, <laughs> and I didn't remember basically anything else about the plot. I was like, I don't know why they go down there, but they do, and it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hi. Let's let, sure. let's let's get into into the plot. because yeah. um, it actually starts pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Frankly, uh, as a a blip that I'll mention, um, the Jay gets woken up at three a.m. by a phone call from Cassie. Wait, but oh my god, Jay, did you close the dock? Not the dog. I closed the PDF. Probably because I was mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Jake, what do you tell? A phone call at 3 a.m. is rarely a good thing. When you're an animal, the chance of good news ever is zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cassie sounds scared as, uh, as she's on the phone and says, like, oh, she can't sleep. Um, to be fair, this is a clearly established sort of back and forth, not quite code phrases that we get mm-hmm. to one of those at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and what it boils down to is that uh, something is bad. And so Jake needs to come over. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we have this great little thing of, uh, I bet you get to 30 counting sheep. Uh, I bet you won't even get that far before you fall asleep, mm-hmm. which is this code that he has 30 minutes to get to Cassie's farm, mm-hmm. which is just like, mm, yes, good, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it upsetting? Yes, but in the good, narratively satisfying way, yes. Yep. Yep. And we get him morphing. I assume he picks Peregrine Falcon for speed, because mm-hmm. it's been established time and time again that the falcons are pretty shit birds to be using at night. 
for mm-hmm. books. So, mm-hmm. uh, no thermals, or not much in the way of thermals at night either. I have learned that much from these books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we do get a cool description of him, sort of like his awareness of his body shifting as he moves from human to bird. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking dope uh, description. Um, and uh, after he does check that the sort of coast is clear first, and then he is like, hops on the window and out he goes. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is where we get the introduction, uh, mm-hmm. the explanation of what morphing is, uh, how Jake came to be turning into a bird in the middle of the night and flying <laughs> uh, off to see Cassie. Um, mm-hmm. We get, there's this line and I stuck on it and it, cause this is a sentiment that we've never really seen expressed before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not supposed to like it, this power we have. We being my best friend Marco, my cousin Rachel, Cassie and Tobias and Axe. We're not supposed to like it, but mostly I do. And I was like, since when? Since <laughs> the fuck when? When has that ever been a thing? That we're feeling bad about liking morphing now. It's been established. Mm-hmm. We don't do this for fun, except everybody does now, <laughs> which is fine. I don't judge them for that. And I feel like this might be like the beginnings of a situation of Jake is the leader. He's not supposed to be frivolous. He shouldn't enjoy this thing that is a weapon. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's saying. I'm having to unpack that. Mm-hmm. Like somebody would be just like, oh, why, why is Jake like not supposed to enjoy morphing? Just like, I, it feels very clunky way mm. to express this as like this throwaway bit of information in the middle of talking about what morphing is. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Yeah, we've seen it described as he describes it in a moment. Uh, the power being a privilege and a curse. We see that a lot. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we see kind of like you said, the sentiment behind this statement of yeah. like, uh, feeling, feeling like they are being frivolous with this really dangerous thing that totally upended their lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we haven't seen this. We're not supposed to like it sentiment before. Yeah. And as I, I just feel such an awkward way to maybe get across this feeling when it's been done better. If indeed the intention of the writer was to express that we shouldn't take this lightly. Mm-hmm. And it's like feels bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's just like to try and count just like how how bad shit's gonna be later in this book. But if I'm sorry, because there is some really cool use of morphing in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, there is. Like I and it's something uh in our own uh idiot teenagers game that I'm trying to work with more is creative uses of morphing Mm -hmm. because it is a superpower Mm -hmm. like and it's stressed time and time again in the books that the way the kids use it is not how it was initially designed Mm -hmm. like any andalite that sees how they do it's like huh interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) hadn't considered like, it's one thing to use it for infiltration or just for fighting, but I suppose when you think that you are the best species ever, why would you want to spend time being anything else? Right. So, I gotta, I gotta yeah, tell you it's, what I... Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you what I did in the game of Idiot Teenagers that I'm playing with Izzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm. So, so, uh, yeah, we, we found a free taxon. Um, and -hmm. the problem is that it's very hungry and doesn't have any kind of uh, support. Um, oh God. Dang (laughs) Uh, and, uh, we, I see where this is going. Do you? We caught, (laughs) I think so. I think you do. 
uh, we caught a saber moose and killed it uh, because this is in the future, like hundreds and hundreds of years in the future. Um, climate apocalypse, post-apocalypse stuff. Um, we caught a saber moose and killed it to feed the taxon. Um, but then the taxon got scared and ran away. Uh, and I morphed the saber moose and got out in front of the taxon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm, they say, knowing exactly where it's going. Tell the listeners, Danielle. And uh, I let it eat me. That's what I thought you'd say. <laughs> and just continually morphed so that was it didn't kill me and could still eat me. Horrifying. <laughs> How old is your character? Uh, uh, like, like, 1920. They're, they're not a kid kid. But. That does not make that better. Yeah, they are the youngest that, in the right? group. Of course, like, fucking. In <laughs> <laughs> utterly unsurprising and yet upsetting things Danielle does when given access to the Animorphs universe. Yeah, I'm so glad you guessed it before I said it. <laughs> I wasn't going for the... My brain did, hadn't gone to the full vor angle. It was more like <laughs> chop off pieces of the cell yeah. and regrow it lizard style. Yeah, that but, was my uh, yeah, that was my initial, initial plan. But mm -hmm. I realized mm -hmm. after I morphed that we didn't have anything that could do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> I feel very Michael Arrested Development right now. Just like, I don't know what I expected. Uh, uh, and now Izzy and Dirk are listening to this and. Yeah. Anyway, there are creative ways to use more, <laughs> is the point. And not necessarily fun, but creative in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Um. But to get back to Jake, uh, talk, explaining about the Yerks, what they do, get this little detail about how sometimes Jake likes it when Axe calls him Prince Jake. And I'm like, mm, nope, yeah, that's a little, don't care for that either. Mm -hmm. Like, cause we've seen like when it's useful to Jake, mm -hmm. to be fair, it's described as it sometimes it feels okay. Mm hmm. And that's not the, mm, nah, don't like it. I don't care for it at all. Mm -hmm. um, but we get this this detail, like, I'm proud when we're winning, when we're kicking butt, as Yerk Butt, as Rachel would say. I'm also proud but when we don't win but have done the best we could, acted with courage and honour. Um, most of the time I'm also terrified. Now that is some good details though mm -hmm. also we have also seen like jake doesn't talk about being scared even in the privacy of his own head because if you you think about being scared bad mm -hmm. shit happens mm -hmm. but i appreciate this attempt at complexity here mm -hmm. this active with courage and honor i'm just like mm. Somebody let I mean, take this kid's military propaganda away from him. Yeah, please. I was gonna say he's been extensively studying like war shit. Like, yeah, that's what it feels <laughs> like. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, I also want to point out. It. Go on. I was just. I I don't like it when characters of any age talk like this. Mm -hmm. To be clear, it is a way of, unless you're in like a very high fantasy setting in, or like from alien cultures, in which case it feels like it's being done in a different way. But when you have humans saying it, it conjures a very specific kind of energy and mentality that mm -hmm. I do not like and I find very discomforting when it's put in the mouths of children. Yeah. Yeah. But what were you wanting to say? Uh, I do want to point out, uh, he goes through, uh, like, who they know are Yerks, like his brother, Marco's mom, their vice principal. How many more? We don't know. More, always more. We are not winning this war. 
We are delaying the final defeat. No more than that. Maybe not as much as that. Which is a fucking heartbreaking thing to hear from your leader character roughly halfway through the series. A little more than halfway Uh through the series. Yeah. It's, uh... It's a lot. It is, yeah. And it's like... That's also, like, there's an interesting thing about whether, like, this is one of the result of the trauma. Is this realism? Is this pessimism? Is this, like, mm-hmm. the depression kicking in for having to do this mm-hmm. and be the leader? Like, there's lots of different things that can lead to that sort of way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how accurate it is. Yeah. But you're right, like, to see him talking this way, and he can only ever talk this way when it's his narration, because he certainly can't tell the others that, mm-hmm. even if they know mm-hmm. or feel the same way. Like, he and Marco don't talk about this shit. Nope. And Marco, more than anyone, is going to, you know, have already seen the fucking writing on the wall, because it's Marco's fucking job to do that, in mm-hmm. his mind. Yeah. Mhm. So you know, fun times at the OK Corral. <laughs> but we get uh the the uh the info dump slash lay of the land as Jake makes his way to Cassie's, and when he gets there, he can hear Cassie and Hulk Bajir, um, and Toby, and I think it's. Jarrah. Jarrah. You know, I was going to say one of our Hawk Bashir names, right? Because <laughs> this is what you've done to me. It's like, Jarrah? Nope, neither of those. Those are not in this book. <laughs> um, and we get uh, the first, but by no means the last bit of horror this book has to offer us, um, mm-hmm. which is there is a Hawk Bashir on the uh, operating table. Um, the steel table used as an operating table uh, here in the barn, um, struggling to breathe. Uh, he can, can't speak, and um, he's dying. Basically, because he's the the tone of it given like he's like he's not getting enough oxygen to his brain, and he's slowly mm-hmm. suffocating. Basically. Which mm-hmm. is a really shitty way to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, Cassie explains like that his pulse is weak, uh, that he is uh, he can't get enough air. Jara is uh, wigging out, understandably so, and exclaims um, that about um, he's trying to make fish people. And Toby elaborates uh, that Visa 3, who else? And she explains uh, that uh, this is uh, this Hawk name is uh, Han, uh, not one of the free Hawk Bashir. Um, he was until recently a, contro- uh, a controller and the subject of an experiment along with 49 other Hawk Bashir. Um, the Visa is really keen to uh, get hold of the Pemolite ship, pissed at the Drode and the Andalite bandits, uh, made that a, a non-thing for him. And so uh, Vissa, in another one of his hair-brained, <laughs> I'm going to play God and get my scientists to tinker with biology badly plots, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is trying to create amphibious or, like, modify hawk Bashir biology so that they are amphibious uh, mm. to do, like, deep-sea missions. And the scientists, or whoever was doing it, did such a bad job of it um, that all 50 of these hawk Bashir were deemed as um, useless and, and to be abandoned by their hosts and fed to the taxons. 
Ash just like, and that gives an idea of how much that's clearly a fuck up mm-hmm. and how drastic it must be for them to give up on the hosts, given that uh, on the back of Vissa we know how few Hawkbajir hosts there actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has Jara very upset because he and um, Han were actually friends long ago. Jake is struggling not to vomit all of this, which, you know, fair, valid. Um, Cassie points out a gill uh, that is on the side that's been, like, grafted on to this hawk bajir and, like, webbing that's been sewn in. And Cassie is just like, it's literally just been grafted on. It's totally botched. Um, basically, like, this was never going to work. Not this way. And because Cassie can't see inside Han to figure out what, if anything, was done to the lungs. And regardless, like, they're not going to be able to get enough oxygen into Han to save him. Mm. Um, before, uh, before he lost the ability to speak, um, Han was able to tell Toby and Jara, Vissa has built a new ship, the Sea Blade, because apparently this bitch can't think of a better name. Where's your creativity, V3? I expect better of a dramatic bitch like yourself. Come on now. <laughs> um, Jara really wants, is like desperate for Han to not die, um, to come with them, to the come with him and Toby to join the Free Hawk Bashir. Um, and Toby has to coach her dad through, like, no, he's got to go. It'll. He's going to move to the beyond, and our friends will help us destroy Vissa Three and avenge his death. And he and Han dies. And he sucks. Mm-hmm. And what's striking to me about this is it's a much quieter death than we often say and like this is the mm-hmm. one of the most respectful things we've seen about the value of a hawk bajir life mm-hmm. and like jar and toby are grieving and jake and cassie are hella shook up as well like they're hugging and just like trying to be there for each other through this And this is one of the little aspects of, like, in a war story, we don't often get to see these quieter tragedies because this is Mm -hmm. what this is. And I appreciate that the book gives it levity, like, this matters Mm -hmm. and this shouldn't have happened and it is a bad thing that it did. Mm -hmm. I don't care for the the way that it's now you... It's used for the rest of the book as uh, the motivation stick. Yeah, I hate that. A, a, a banner for Cassie to wave around and nobody else. And I'm like, mm. and that's sort of, we see the first signs of that in the next chapter. Um, team meeting, because that's what we do. Well, that's what they do. Uh, the the agreement is like, well, we have to go after the Seablade because we can't let the Yerks get hold of the Pebblelite ship and Pebblelite technology. Marco points out that it'd be nice to have a plan and Tobias, like, we don't know enough to make a plan. <laughs> um, we get a little bit of insight from Jake about Tobias's situation um, and this observation um, that uh, the reason why Tobias won't go back to human and get trapped as such even though it's what rachel wants um is that he can't walk away from the war he can't or won't abandon us mm-hmm. and i'm like mm, i'm fairly certain it's a, a won't but judy is something we've talked about before mm-hmm. uh, and then we just get the throwaway line tobias is elf angor's son long story weird story which is both funny and annoyingly flippant <laughs> so <laughs> Because it is a weird long story. Yep. Yep. So. But um, the hope is to get some more information. 
uh, act, uh, some of them, uh, Axe and Tobias had gone over to the to the Freak Hulkbridge community to get more information. Um, and then we just like let's casually wipe out that nice bit of characterization of Hawk Bajir from the previous chapter by the description of Hawk Bajir being not the brightest species around. It's a little like asking a four year old to describe a movie, which mm, just because the Hawk Bajir aren't articulate in the way that you want doesn't mean they lack intelligence mm -hmm. and like they might like a child i guess if you want to draw that comparison i know plenty of four-year-olds who could fucking describe a movie very well to you they're just going to be focused on the details that find that caught their attention mm -hmm. so or that their brains have deemed important because mm -hmm. that's how all memory work mm -hmm. Like, no such thing as a perfect witness. Yep. Like, memory is bullshit. Uh, like that. But we don't have time to linger there, just like how they got a little bit of information, uh, but not really enough to form a plan. Um, and the Chi were also able to provide a little bit of information. But at least it was different. So they're able to, they've started to like get a picture of mm -hmm. what this situation is about how the Sea Blade is an amphibious ship, can travel in both air and water, because normally most spacecraft can travel underwater for a short distance with limited effect. And I'm there just like, mm, I'm sorry. I don't know if I entirely buy that a spaceship can't, if, it, if it's a fucking spaceship, it should be able to work underwater. Well, the, the difference being uh, resistance, right? So, like, when you're flying in space, mm. you're not yes. flying through any resistance at all. Even through atmosphere, it's mm -hmm. much less resistance than flying through water. Yeah. So I could definitely see uh, flying through water just, like, overtaxing the engines. Okay. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. <laughs> I'm still, like... Hmm. But also, like, you guys have been, like, trying to do the Lear and Homeworld for a while, so I don't <laughs> know why it's taking you this long yeah. to get a ship that can deal with underwater times. This is very um, true. But uh, this, uh, this vessel is also uh, going to have to be able to cloak itself from a bunch of different kind of sensors because there's a lot of subs out in the deep water. Apparently, lots of sensors left from the Cold War. Um, apparently, we do get a fun description from Marco about the difference between uh, passive and active sonar, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, which he learned from the hunt from Red October, which <laughs> is very funny and good um, because I can absolutely picture Jake and Marco watching the hunt for Red October mm -hmm. um, or reading Tom Clancy books. Um, but so they've got this limited information they need to do um more information but the chi have revealed the location of the pemolites um the pemolite ship apologies uh and how it's in an area with lots of um uh, it's basically in, a, in an area that's a navy firing range uh, so there's no like human traffic mm -hmm. and the the real the understanding is like the the she the chi can't keep moving this ship forever. Not if the Yerks want it that bad. Um, and if we we get this observation from Cassie about we have to sink the sea blade, we have to sink it, destroy it, make them regret ever thinking about invading the ocean. And I'm like, mm, okay, it begins. Why are you gonna do my girl daddy like this? Um, because Jake is like, I shot her. Oh look, it wasn't like Cassie to be bloodthirsty. Yeah, sure is it. She, yeah, mm, okay. Mm. She met my gaze unflinching. What they did to the Hawk-Bajir was evil, she said, over the line, way over the line. We need to teach them a lesson. I nodded. I understood her feelings, but this mission couldn't be about feelings. Marco said what I was thinking. Hey, we don't do lessons and we don't do revenge. Besides, everything the Yerks do is over the line. 
we stop them. That's what we do. And I'm like looking back at 35 books. I go, mm. Mm, okay. I mean, mm. I also don't care to see fucking facts don't care about your feelings rhetoric in my children's books from the 1990s. Yeah. Because this group does need feelings to operate. That's part of why they work. Mm-hmm. But we do have this moment. Cassie's unconvinced. Rachel is agreeing with Cassie. Uh, all four just like doing a harsh lesson. Um, and we get this nice little observation from Jake about how being the leader is kind of difficult as they're all tired and stressed out misfits. Specifically with this, how Tobias hates going in water. Uh, Marco's not convinced it's necessary. Cassie is taking things personally, and Rachel and Axe are their usual selves. Um, so ready for a fight if deemed necessary in one form or the other with those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any given point on any given mission, maybe half the team was going to be difficult in one way or another, including me, of course. Maybe <laughs> especially me. And I do like that observation yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I like the notion of his leadership as just a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what it is. That's what we see yeah. it as over and over again. <clears throat> um. So they debate what morph they're going to use, uh, and they uh, basically decide that uh, killer whales were are their best bet um, because not all of them have sperm whale morphs. Um, the dolphin morphs are too small to do damage themselves to the sea blade, um, and. Uh, they don't want to use the giant squid because the, they're giant squid and kind of weird. Um, so they want to do a whale and hey, the gardens, uh, has sea worlds now and they have uh, an orca. One. <laughs> I do love the detail about the orca's name being swoosh because the fucking exhibit is paid for by Nike. That's yes. incredible. Yes. That is, um, grade a critique right there yeah yeah it's it's on brand it's great Mm -hmm. um i do love uh jake being like all right so a i contact the chi and alert them to be ready to take our places b we carry out the -the round-the-clock surveillance in the vicinity of the yerk pool try and spot any sign of the sea blade launching c we acquire the killer whale and marco's like easy abc just don't mention d we chase a super sub into the ocean and e try to destroy it before f they reach an alien spacecraft in the middle of g a bunch of unexploded bombs and shells that may get set off when the yurks try to h fry us with their dragon beans <laughs> rachel laughed and gave marco a playful shove you're not you're always so negative look on the bright side maybe the unexploded shells will i blow up the yurks not us uh which is just great Peak humor, and then Cassie kind of like totally undercuts it in a dumb way. Yeah, because like, we get this line right. shotted out. Uh, Cassie's not joining in on the humor. 50 Hawkbegeers subjected to horrible medical experiments. That's what this is about. It's really not what it's about, is mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really not. That was a shitty, shitty side effect of Mm -hmm. what this is about even if there hadn't been this loss of Hawk-Bajir life this would still be a thing they would want to be taking care of Yes, they just happen to know about it because of what happened and like signs point to Visser 3 abandoning this project like oh it didn't work okay Next. Yeah, it's not like more Hawk Bashir are gonna be killed in the or die as a result of the same thing. Yeah. Definitely horrific. Definitely don't want them to do it, to do it again, but it's not Absolutely. what this specific mission is about. Yeah. 
I will say it does feel like a real fucking example of just like somebody being real fucking confident in their plan to like commit 50 mm-hmm. bodies to it. Just like, I know clinical trials need to be like, you need a decent sample size, but you couldn't have started with five. <laughs> My yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, Visor 3 is really terrible at mad science. Pass it on. <laughs> well, of course, he's a theater kid, not a STEM kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's a social sciences sort of person. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the next chapter, we find Marco and Jake uh, like monitoring the Yerk pool in Birdmorph, just killing time. Uh, chatting the shit back and forth. Um, Marco is like, we've got a maths test on Friday. Uh, why do you care about maths? Or, why are you so concerned about school? Since the math teacher married my dad, it's a crime. <laughs> Has to be maths. Couldn't be a subject I can fake. No, it had to be math. The answer is either the square root of pirates and dude, there's no bull factor. I can't say, well, I felt what the writer really meant. And I'm like, nah, yes, Marco gets. <laughs> It's just like, but I love that because we know Marco is smart. Mm-hmm. And I like him, like, the problem with maths is because, well, the kind of maths they teach at that age, I'm not getting into complicated maths, like scary maths, um, where one plus one doesn't always equal two, actually. Uh, I don't know math. But, like, there's either a right answer or a wrong one mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And when you're used to like working your way around to a partial success, um, <laughs> and your maths teacher is at home, uh, it's like it's a lot. And Jake's like, "Yeah, well, the chief's going to take your test. Yeah, and he's going to get the grade I would have gotten. I don't want that grade. I want a better grade. I want a better grade. I want an A, but a just, just on the cusp of A, because <laughs> that she might actually buy." Um, <laughs> Just, mm, yes, quality. This is the kind of banter that I really enjoy between mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little detail about like what exactly the vibe of the Yerk pool is uh, for people that have maybe not read an Animorphs in a while. And it has been a little while since the Animorphs have been our perspective on the Yerk pool. Obviously, mm-hmm. Vissa, we had some time in there. But aside from that, it had been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying to work out where the fuck a full new spaceship is. Um, they know it's in the pool complex, but they mean it's got to get out of there, and they don't know where it's going to appear from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, it does start to appear. Uh, a empty lot has been set up uh, with a solid new fence, and Jake gives himself a hard time for not clocking that discrepancy as there is clearly a hologram there preventing uh, people from seeing the Thunderbirds action going on. (laughs) And that is how I'm going to describe it, because it's a motherfucking hatch opening in the ground and a ship's going to come up through it. Uh, The detail of the hologram just being on the sides, but because they have the top-down view, they can actually see into it is very good. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, holograms are old news for the kids at this point, because, um, of course, it is. The ship, the the Sea Blade, for its uncreative name, is a pretty dope design. Um, got uh, two scimitar-shaped wings with a sleek body, um, similar to a blade ship, but uh, with pustule-like pods extruding here and there, and blacker than black, like something carved out of anthracite. Um, it's been painted in Vanta Black, apparently. Um, I made a similar crack uh, earlier this week about Vanta Black, and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and this ship cloaks itself, having been like lifted up, and it's heading for the water, or it, they reckon it's going to head for the water. And so Jake is like, taking after it because the peregrine falcon is faster they're close to being near the end of their shift um i think it was axe and tobias was going to be relieving them 
So he's like, Marco, you go get the others. When you Pilus asks them, Tobias, tell them what's going on. Go get the girls. And, and he's off. And Marco's just like, how are we going to find you? Um, you know, a valid question, though he is already doing as Jake has told him to, and is like banking away. And Jake's just like, I don't know, just get there fast. <laughs> um, and so he's tearing off after the Sea Blade uh, with the shout back from Marco that he has less than half an hour left in Morph. Um, and uh, it sucks because he's like, he realizes he should. We get a lot of him berating himself in mm -hmm. this book for like not making the smarter choice mm -hmm. or for not noticing things. Mm -hmm. um, and this is like, he should have kept altitude because then he'd be able to go faster because uh, now he's fighting gravity and just like pushing this body to its limits to try and keep up with the sea blade uh, he manages mostly to at least keep it in sight uh, until it reaches the ocean um, and goes underwater um, <clears throat> to be clear he it's just where the uh, falcon's eyesight is good enough to see like the slight distortion yeah from of light and also the heat coming out of presumably its engines. Mm -hmm. Um and so uh having seen the ship go basically having seen the ship under the water, he dives into the water and begins to demorph and remorph the orca because they acquired the orca off screen. Um and uh the another cool description of a morph mm -hmm. props that the, they're generally very good in this book yeah uh the orca's mind is interesting um in terms of it feeling like the biggest baddest thing in the ocean which it kind of is frankly um there is some stuff in here like like there's some cool stuff about how the intel the intelligence of the orca we get this really interesting observation of like Jake feeling like he's along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Like it's aware it's being controlled. And I'm like, that's not how the morphing works. Like, what? Why are we doing this again? <laughs> there. Um, but yes, I just do want to give a shout out to this. Like, they're really bigging up the orca here. Yeah. And like, being really shitty about sharks, about yes. how shark, what did it say about shark? Mindless violence. Yeah. Um, Random malevolent uh, violence of the shark. Yeah, whereas orcas <clears throat> can like plan and stuff. And I'm here just like, okay, I am so sick of this shark slander orca <laughs> propaganda. Who wrote this? Yeah. Yeah. Big orca in here, just like orcas. There's a reason we call them killer whales. Mm -hmm. They are incredibly dangerous. Yes. And while I appreciate it's described as being a predator, very much so, and it having intelligence and stuff, just like, I know we do not ascribe human morality to animals. Mm -hmm. Or we try not to. It sure as fuck happens in the books all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but like... I would rather take my lug with a fucking shark, frankly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I'm fairly certain it's pretty viral, this, but that visual of, like, orcas will hunt moose when mm. moose are swimming. Like, I've seen this. Like, if they can get one, they'll get one. Like, mm -hmm. orcas are like, yeah, nah, I can take it. <laughs> Bring it on. The things they will go after... Uh, and it's described like this, like how they'll work together in pods to shove seals off ice flows and to jump onto the beach mm -hmm. to drag a walrus in. But they're not they're not malevolent violence. This is not mindless violence. It's just like, so what, this is the difference between a spree killer and a serial killer? Like, <laughs> what do we describe? What is the vibe here? Yeah. It's it's uh it's not mindless violence, which means they're just being dicks on purpose. 
Yeah, it's one of the things like how uh, how they very, they sort of how they talk very positively about dolphins, whereas mm-hmm. dolphins can absolutely be fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. How's that for higher levels of intelligence? <laughs> They're intelligent enough to be dicks on purpose. <laughs> And it, like, uh-huh. I just like that. Clearly, this writer likes orcas. Is my point? There's nothing <laughs> respect there, but it's a little bit like I'm sorry. I be this is hype. I'm just like, feels a little bit like people who get really enthused about true crime talking mm-hmm. about just like oh, like the mind of the serial killer is fascinating. <laughs> just like you okay there, chief? Like I really don't want to know how much you've been reading fucking X's diaries to get inside to the behavior like mm. <laughs> no thank you yeah yeah okay uh, I, i've ranted enough <laughs> I'm done. i'll let it go for now <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>